In the peace of Christ, dear fellow redeemed, have you noticed all the memes going around on your cell phone or your computer on social media? 2020 is a crazy year. We've had the most uh, hurricanes uh, recorded in history in one year with maybe save one other year in history. We've had the most wildfires out west in California and the states north of there. We've had COVID-19 that's just rocked the entire globe. We've had civil unrest in America that we probably haven't seen in, 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 since the 1960s. And we had the worst presidential debate ever recorded in history. There's a lot of memes going around. I think I'm going to get a t-shirt like this one that says, I survived 2020 and all I got was this t-shirt. That's the way I feel as an American citizen. That's the way I feel as a, a member on this planet. But as a pastor, I don't want to just survive. And I don't want you, I, I want you to thrive. And I believe what God tells us in the word. I believe it in my heart that he has given us what we need to survive, to, to thrive and not just survive in 2020. And I want you to have it too. So I've chosen from our readings that are scheduled for this Sunday, Philippians chapter 4, from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Paul was in Rome, and Paul was in a very difficult place. Just like today, where our whole globe, and especially our nation, is in a collective stress, the people that lived in the Roman Empire were under collective stress. It was, it was not easy to be a, a, from a people group under the Roman Empire that had conquered the world. Paul was a Jew living in the Roman Empire, and he was a Christian apostle. So not only had his Jewish people rejected him and tried to continually turn him over to the Romans for upsetting the Roman peace, but also the Romans, they weren't all that fond of Jews or Christians anyway. And so Paul ended up being arrested and, and over a four-year period being incarcerated and, and, and transported in a, at the worst time to go across the Mediterranean Sea, almost shipwrecked, almost killed before the shipwreck, bitten by a poisonous snake and survived. He ends up in Rome under house arrest, different Roman guard every day, awaiting trial before Caesar. And there's all kinds of diseases. Nobody even knows what a germ is. People died usually in their 20s to 40s. And Paul, there Paul is in his late 50s, and he is in prison waiting in order to go to, on trial before Caesar. And if he's found guilty, he can be put to death. So this is a life and death situation. Of all the things that he went through, if you just read it in the book of Acts, uh, it, you would, any one of them would have caused post-traumatic stress syndrome in our way of thinking today. And yet, we don't know if Paul struggled with any kind of uh, psychological effects, but probably so. But yet, he was thriving as a human being, and especially, more importantly, as a Christian. He was thriving. The people he was writing, they were under the same kind of collective stress in Philippi. As Christians, they were also being persecuted. We don't know to what extent, but we know it was happening. They were living under Roman oppression, and they also were living with a whole lot of demonology and witchcraft and the evils of the immoral Roman society around them and pandemics that, that swept through every now and then. The Apostle Paul talks about how their suffering is similar to what they see and hear about is in him. So when he writes them in chapter 4, 
uh, toolkit for, for thriving and not just surviving their era of stress. He has a, uh, the perfect trio for us who want to thrive and not just survive 2020. Perhaps in America, it's, uh, for us, it's a, a huge wake-up call because there's so many ways and places, sectors of our life and society, even our place in the world, that are, seem like they be, they're coming apart at the seams. And so we, we perk up and we listen to Paul when he says, this is how you thrive, not just survive. So I'm going to share with you his words, and I'm going to talk about his three main points so that you can take them home with you and learn to thrive in 2020 and beyond. It's from chapter 4. I'm reading to you. It begins at, ch- at verse 4, and this is what he says. And he's been saying it in this letter before, but in, earlier in the letter, but here he says it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Whenever a speaker who's a good communicator says, I will say it again, what they're saying is, I th- I'm afraid as a listener, you may have missed the importance of what I just said as a main point. So when he says, rejoice in the Lord always, I'll say it again, rejoice. He's getting our attention. He's saying, I want you in a certain way. I don't want you to be a masochist and find joy in the difficulties of your circumstances. That would be like psychological suicide. It's a a suppression of reality. He's saying, I want you instead to rejoice in the Lord. And that little two-letter word, I-N, even in the original, it means living in the sphere of the Lord. What it means is, is to live inside the God bubble while you're going around on planet Earth. Uh, it was probably 30, 40 years ago that I, I watched a, a, a documentary about a little boy that had no immune system at all. And he was, I think the show was called The Boy in the Bubble. And he lived inside of a, a plastic bubble to protect him from his environment. Well, Paul lived, spiritually speaking, in the God bubble, and he wants the Philippians and you and me to live in the God bubble too. He's saying there is plenty in the God bubble to rejoice in, even though your bubble is in a world that has all of this stress. And he says, rejoice in the Lord. And what does that mean? First of all, it means you know that God has a good plan behind all the events that are happening around you in your personal life and in your world. He has a good plan. He's always said that, that he's working out things for our good. He, he has a good, though, you may be going through what you call a bad experience. And just like Joseph in the Old Testament went through one bad experience after another, but you get to see the whole good plan unfold, God wants you to know that your life is going to unfold well no matter what. And that's what it means to rejoice in the Lord. You rejoice in that truth. That you're just as loved as Old Testament Joseph. You're just as loved as Jesus himself and his life. Although it ended at the cross, it didn't end. And he rose from the dead and it ended up a wonderful story of goodness and salvation for all people, including you and me. And so we rejoice in that Lord who has a good plan for our life. We also rejoice that God has given us a higher purpose than just surviving. If all it is is that that we're left to do is to try to wear masks, wash our hands, social distance, and survive a pandemic, what a boring, mundane, uh, a dead-end kind of way to live. We live for a much higher higher cause. And, And we don't just live for this life. 
We live for a salvation message for all people. We live for the purpose of serving and loving, even if it means our own death, our neighbor, our family, our friends, our church, our community, our world. We live to preach and teach the, the message of rescue through Jesus Christ. All of that uh, is, is their purpose than just trying to survive. That's called thriving. We also have in the Lord, in the Lord bubble, we have friends. We have friends that are, are honest with themselves, they're honest with us, they're honest with God, and they're honestly filled with hope because of grace and forgiveness. They can be honest about their sins, but also know that grace covers it all because Christ died on the cross. And they are friends of ours, and they're close, and they're forgiving and loving and supportive, and they're with us in the fight. And God's given those to you in the God bubble, and that's a, a reason to rejoice. He's also given you a rescue. It doesn't matter if you're going to die of COVID. You are going to die of something else if you don't. But you have the rescue. So don't let the collective stress of a pandemic make you start thinking atheistically and outside the bubble as if trying to survive on planet Earth is all that there is. It never has been all that there is. You have salvation. You are going to live forever. You have eternal life. Same author, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 5. Go read it. It'll give you great peace and hope knowing that, that heaven is your home. So these are all the things that we can rejoice in in the God bubble. How many of these things will you hear about on the 10 o'clock news? None of them. How many of them will feed for Fox or CNN on your phone? None of them. Where do you find them? You find them in the Word and in the people of God that are teaching and preaching His Word. So if lately you have not been rejoicing in the Lord, if this is just uh, like a distant sound to you, like an old song you used to have when you were a little kid and didn't have many problems, and, and, and like you wish it was true, but it's really not, you know what I'm going to tell you as a pastor? You haven't really been in God's Word. You may have been around it, but you haven't been in it. Not enough. God's Word is living and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, pierces down to the division of soul and spirit. That's Hebrews 10, 12. It, it changes your heart and your mind and gives you hope and peace and helps you find joy in the Lord. So you need to get away from the world and its communications and get into God's Word more. And we've got lots of ways for you to do that. All churches are ramping up their communication, but we have devotions every morning at Holy Word Austin Facebook, and we have these online services and we have all kinds of Bible studies, but you've got your own little prayer corner. Get your Bible out and start reading and listening and thinking about Jesus. and You'll rejoice in the Lord. You cannot change the world around you, but you can cooperate in changing yourself just by choices you make out of faith because you're listening to God's word and he's telling you the pathway out of your saddening you to thrive, not just survive. So listen to him. Take it to heart like James 1 says and put it into practice. So you're not like a person looking in a mirror and then forgetting what you look like. Instead, you take the word and you put it into practice and you start getting back into these beautiful messages and, and all the different uh, pathways of faith that come off of them and you find your joy in the Lord again. can't change the world around you, but you can cooperate in changing yourself. And in changing yourself, Paul says, the next thing that will make you thrive and not survive is that you learn to practice gentleness with everyone. This is how Paul says it. It's very simple. 
After he says, rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice. Verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near you. Um, that, that little phrase, the Lord is near, has one, or, one of two meanings. But both of them are scriptural truths, so it doesn't matter which one Paul really meant if we can't really tell from his sentence. The first one is meaning that God is near you in the room. He's right next to you. Remember when your teacher was in the room and then she would leave? In my grade school, all mayhem would break loose. Uh, sometimes I was one of the little rascals that was shooting spit water, and then she'd come back and we'd all, we'd all kind of calm down because she was there. We'd be good again. Even if there was someone bullying somebody else, they'd go sit in their chair. The Lord is near. That's law, maybe, okay? But the Lord is near like that gospel, too, to give you help and strength. He's not far away. He's right with you. Jesus said, I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. So he's there to help you. The second way that the Lord is near might mean is that he's near to returning. This is the way that God's Jesus speaks in Revelation when he talks to John, who's suffering later. This is Paul writing Philippians, but John, the apostle, who's on the island of Patmos, and he goes, soon, tell the world, soon, I'm coming back. The Lord is near. And So this could be about the Lord's return. So if God's about to return any minute, and he's going to make all injustices go away. He's going to heal all diseases and raise all the dead. And he's going to forgive all the sins of those who have faith in him. There's no reason. What's the reason to get angry and mad over disappointments and losses? They all pass away. The Lord is near. It's not like the rest of eternity is going to be lived in the sadness of 2020. It's not. The Lord is near. So therefore, calm down. Be gentle. And let it be evident to all, not just the people at, not just the people at work, not just acquaintances, not just people that you know will bless you if you are nice to them, but let your gentleness be evident to your wife, to your husband, to your children, to your closest friends, your confidants, to your brother or your sister, whom you sometimes think it's okay to be rude to. Let your gentleness be evident to everyone. You know what? When you were gentle, it's strong and it's powerful. If you got to see any of that debate that was the last presidential debate just a few days ago, um, uh, it, it was before the vice president's debate that was this past week. You know how they looked like a couple of teenage boys shouting and fighting and yelling over one another. There just wasn't a spirit of gentleness the way this word, in it, even in its original, uh, is intended. In fact, this word gentleness is used often for dignitaries in Greek and Roman society. And it was, it was part of their ethics that they used to teach governors and senators and, and rulers to be gentle. It, it, uh, the gentle is only one English word that would, would uh, try to give the meaning of the original word. In, in the original, I'm not showing off, but it's epiikes. And it, it's the word for reasonableness, kindness, benevolence, uh, helping out, non-discriminatory. All of that is packed in this word. Let that be evident to all. The Lord is near. And you know, when, in, that, in, in that presidential debate, just for a minute, and, I, and, I, and this has nothing to do with politics, but I just want to say, 
if one of those men would have acquiesced in his soul to be gentle, and speak to the issues in a gentle way, and not resort to personal attacks. I believe personally he'd have won the election right there. Because they were both so childish, it was difficult to uh, make, a, make a, 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 an emotional choice between the two of them. Why do I say that? It's not about politics. It's about you. It's about me. It's a very encouraging, powerful, and impactful during a stressful time if you're gentle. And Paul says, this is how you thrive in a difficult time. You're gentle. Jesus was gentle. Paul was gentle. And it's powerful. When Paul had been in Philippi, this is later when he's writing the letter, but when he had been there, he was beaten severely, he and Silas, and they were gentle to their beaters, the ones that were beating them. They were gentle to the jailer. And the jailer was so moved, faith-driven gentleness, he said, I want that salvation. I want what you have. You want to thrive during 2020? Rejoicing in the Lord and all the blessings he gives you, practice being gentle. And You know what? When you are gentle, like the Proverbs say, your own word gives you happiness in your heart. When you, a wise man's words, when he speaks them, the Proverbs say, they actually make his heart cheerful. When you know you've been gentle in a situation that felt like it warranted anger, fear, and frustration, you actually will be a happier person. You'll have a better personal well-being that comes from the virtue that the Holy Spirit gave you and the gentleness that's driven by the faith you have in our Lord Jesus Christ. This is real stuff. This isn't made up. This is how you thrive in 2020. The third thing that Paul talks about has to do with what if you are still being so harassed by the things you're worried about that you feel overwhelmed with anxiety or plagued by chronic worry? What do you do? Well, Paul had a lot to worry about. First of all, he had rent to pay with no job, and he was dependent upon the gifts of others. And so he had to pray about that and, get, and hope God answered him, and he did. He had a different Roman soldier who had their own boorishness, each one of them, chained to him. He had, to, he had a lot of people that came to him and kept him up to the wee hours of the morning with their problems, trying to get them solved and their theological debates, and a few people that were detractors and against him that harassed him. He had his own personal... Um, destiny to worry about because he was awaiting trial. He had friends that abandoned him, and he had others who were spreading vicious rumors about him. <laughs> he had plenty to be stressful about, and he knew what it was to experience anxiety and worry, but he also knew what to do with it, and he wants you to know what to do with it also. This is one of the clearest golden nugget gems about the the power of prayer to give you peace that you'll ever find in the Bible. There are many passages about prayer and, and teaching us to trust that God answers prayer. But this one is about the, the delivery of peace in answer to whatever we're praying about for your soul in order to help you thrive. Listen carefully to what Paul says. He says in verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and minds. Jesus. The words that he use, uses are very deliberate about prayer. He's, he's, he's not talking about posture or place. He's talking about the, the, uh, the way that you view what you're doing when you pray. What he says is, is take your anxious thoughts. When he says the word, don't be anxious about anything and pray about everything with thanksgiving, <clears throat> every single thing, that what he means is t- uh, t- take apart the things that you're worried about and make each one of them a specific request. That's why he says with supplication, make your requests to God. And the picture is that God is sitting there on the throne of heaven and you walk into his throne room when you pray and you have a list. And on your list, you have the things that you're worried about. And God is giving you undivided attention, which he doesn't have to. But because he's covered you in the blood of his son, Jesus, he says, you can come to my throne of grace, for which we're very grateful. So you get to come into the throne of grace and God is so big. He can listen to 7 billion, 10 billion prayers at one time and have a one-on-one relationship with each person. So when you come to God in prayer and you enter his throne room and you have your list, you say, Lord, I'm worried about my son because he seems to be sinking into a depression. He also seems to be neglecting his family. Lord, please get my son out of the dumps. Lord, number two, I'm worried about my job because of COVID. I think they're going to furlough or let me go. And I don't know how we're going to make ends meet. Lord, I'm worried about this pain I've got that's unexplained. I've had two tests. I don't know why the results aren't showing anything, but it's still there. It seems to be growing and not getting smaller. Oh, Lord, I'm worried about that. Lord, will you take that away? Will you help me with that? Lord, I'm worried about this relationship that I have with my wife or my husband because it just seems to be losing its, its zip. And, it's, and, I, and I'm wondering what's there. If there's something growing in my heart or his or hers, Lord, please help, help me with that. You go down the list, and each time you give the Lord a request, you give it. Because in, in the prayer room, God says, okay, give me the whole list. And God takes the list, and he says, I got it. You say, well, Lord, what are you going to do about it? And he goes, that is going to be my surprise for you. But I got it. I got it. It's taken care of. You don't have to worry about it. I got it. Now, if you could experience that visually, if you were really there in the throne room of God and you saw him say, I've got it. Imagine the peace that would come over your soul when you came back to planet Earth and you had to live here, not being certain how, but you did know that he would work it out. Well, by his Holy Spirit, he's brought you into the throne room. You maybe haven't seen it with your eyes, but you're a Christian. You saw it with your heart. You've been in his throne room and you can do it every day. And he's told you in his word here, that's exactly what happens. And he says, when you walk out of that prayer time, the peace that I give you, the peace of God that passes all logical understanding, because logical understanding would be based on, he told you how he's going to work it out. But it's not based on understanding. It's based on trust in a benevolent God. And he says that peace that passes understanding will guard your heart and mind. From what? From the burden of worry and anxiety. I got it, he says. Uh, I am kind of a shade tree mechanic. This is an illustration. I, I like to do things to save money to, 
repair my car and, and, and some things I can do. But sometimes I think I can do it and I really can't. And it gets really out of hand. And I have actually broken things trying to fix my, my wife's car or my car and made it worse. I know that sometimes, not always, but sometimes while I'm trying to fix the car, I just get so stuck that I just can't do it anymore. I'm frustrated. I'm fearful. It worse. I've already broken some, one thing that I wasn't trying to fix. And I'll get on the phone and call my good friend and many of your good friends, Tom Hepson, who has a garage with people working for him. And he's been doing car work for over 30 years. And I'll say, Tom, I am so frustrated. This is what's going on with my car. And often, this is what he'll say. Pastor, you have no business working on that. Bring it in. Wow. Takes it off my shoulders. I don't have to figure out anymore. This is what God says to you. You have no business worrying about that. Bring it in. Bring it in. Make it a request. Tell me what's wrong. I got it written down. I got it. You go out. You have peace. Bring it in. Isn't that neat? Isn't that a way to thrive? You're living in the same world that everybody else is. You've still got problems like everyone else, but you've got the Savior God who worked it out in all these saints' lives that you see in Scripture, all your friends' lives. Many times in your own life, you've seen it work out in your family's life, and you know it works out because the Scriptures say it works out to get you to heaven. God says, bring it in. Give it to me as a special request. I'll take care of it. Peace comes over the soul. And when there's peace... You have more energy, more to, to think clearly, to act more kindly and gently and lovingly and impactfully in the Lord. See how that works? So maybe what we want to be able to have on January 1st of 2021 is a t-shirt that says, I thrived in 2020 through my Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be cool to have a t-shirt like that? I thrived in 2020 through my Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you one bonus passage. It's the next verse that's in the letter of Paul. And so it's, today it's three tools in your kit plus one. It's verse eight. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put that into practice and the God of peace will be with you. It's time to take control of the impact of what you let take over your mind and what you dwell on and take a vacation from dwelling on the bad things. There's still so many beautiful things. All of the spiritual truths we mentioned. Thing to it. That it's still in living color outside. It's not all in black and white. We're not in a major depression. And we live under a government that's trying very hard to stimulate the economy to keep us going. Even though we've got uh, presidential candidates that tend to bicker and fight. They both are in a system with checks and balances. That we are the heirs of that was given to us by the fathers where you still have a judicial branch a legislative branch an executive branch and that there's a ton of different layers in the republic that of people that are working for our good to take care of us 
There's so much to dwell on that's noble and good and right and the gift of freedom that we have, the gift of the Word of God, the gift of our church, the gift of our friends and family, things to dwell on. We don't have to dwell on the dirt. If you stand and look at a latrine, you're going to be grossed out. And sometimes that's what the news is. It's just one big latrine. Stop staring at it. Stop dwelling on it. Give yourself a vacation and dwell on the good things of God. Here's Paul in Rome, a cesspool of immorality, chained to a Roman guard, dwelling on the good things. And he's thriving. Take a vacation from bad thoughts. Give yourself permission to dwell. And you say, is that just Paul? Would Jesus do that? Oh, yeah. Hebrews chapter 12 says Jesus was enduring the cross, despising how shameful it was that he was naked on the cross, suffering for our sins. The terrible pain and rejection from the Father because of the thought of the joy set before him of saving your soul and saving mine. The good thought that although he was dying at the hands of cruel, silly, small-minded people. He was really going to die. Was overshadowed by the thought that he was saving you and saving me. And that brought him joy. Give yourself a vacation. Thrive in 2020. Rejoice in the Lord always. Be gentle to everyone. Learn how to pray and give your stress away to God. And remember, it's okay to stop dwelling on the negative and dwell on the positives God's given you. Hey, let's start thriving. Amen.